Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cavi Productions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with the happiest bus driver in London, Patrick Lawson. How are you today, Patrick? Oh, hey, Cara. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> the happiest bus driver. Yeah, they, my customers call me London's happiest bus driver. Well, it. Uh, I've seen... I've seen a few of your Facebook lives and we've had a little bit of ch- a chance to chat and I would guess that they are accurate. Um, you're one of the the bubbliest, friendliest people that I've talked to in a very long time and it's exciting for me. Um, <laughs> you're very kind, Cara. Thank you so much. So um, I I just wanted to 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 touch a little bit um, before we we go too much further. Um, what what would you say happiness is for you personally? Oh, wow. That's a big question. (laughs) It is. No, truly, it's a big question because way back in the day as a youngster, Mm -hmm. I, I didn't actually know what happiness was. So when people would tell me things like, um, you know, what was it? You know, like, oh, if they had the perfect boyfriend, they'll be happy. If they had the perfect girlfriend, they'll be happy. If they had more money, they'll be happy. Mm-hmm, the you if know? onlys. Pardon? I said the if onlys. Yeah. So I, I, I think because of where how I grew up, because I'm from a Nigerian home, and to people who know or who are Nigerian, they know that there's a lot of discipline. Okay. You know, there's a lot of discipline. You know, there's a time when um, I, you know, hugged my wife and my mother said to me that, oh, don't kiss and hug your wife in front of your children. You know, and I was a fully grown adult then. So I didn't grow up understanding happiness and, you know, thinking about happiness. So when people would say, oh, you know, they, they, oh, they, they wish they were happy, I didn't understand what it, it, what that meant mm-hmm. until now, until now, <laughs> until now when my customers vote me London's happiest bus driver. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I mean, I think happiness is like, especially the type of happiness, you exude happiness, um, you know, and, and I, I think that like, it's, it's really special because it's, it's very contagious. I mean, in general, it tends to be, um, you know, I, I, I saw a video you sent me yesterday about two gifts in one day, both, um, tied perfectly together. Like that's incredible, you know, and, uh, and you're talking a little bit about the concept of manifestation in that video and stuff like that. And it's electrifying, um, also, I didn't know about uh, about Nigerians having a lot of discipline. I just, side note, didn't know that. That's interesting. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um. <laughs> wow, thank you. I mean, amazing. Oh, my days, you watched my videos. <laughs> I didn't quite think they're interesting. <laughs> no, it's funny you're saying this. You asked the question, what's my definition of happiness? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't want to go back to the back where as a kid, but my definition of happiness today, you know, as being called by my customers on my bus, because I'm a London bus driver mm-hmm. and I'm I'm known for driving the Route 26 from London 
from London Waterloo Station to Hackney Wick. And it was four years ago when I started with the company I'm with now. And I decided, because I said to my, I, I mean, now I read a lot of books. Mm -hmm. I read a lot of self-development books. And because I feel that my toolbox was quite empty. So I said I needed to acquire some tools. <laughs> <laughs> I need to acquire some tools. So just before the job interview, four years ago, I said to myself, okay, I read somewhere that it said, in my job, I must do more, do more than you're paid for. And I thought that, well, bus drivers, all we do is drive a bus. I mean, what more can we do? <laughs> what I did before the interview, I actually went out on a couple of buses to really just focus and see what bus drivers were doing. And I've noticed that the bus drivers weren't talking to the customers. You know, they weren't looking at the customers. They avoided eye contact. The customers got on the bus. They just touched their oyster. Because in London, I don't know where your, your clients are listening to this mm -hmm. podcast. But I'm, in, I'm a Londoner. And in London, we have an oyster machine and oyster cards. So, guys, if anyone wants to come to London, you can't pay cash. You can use your bank card um, or an oyster card. You've got to purchase it from the train station. But anyway... As I'm watching, I'm watching customers getting on the bus and there's no interaction between the driver or the customer. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, you know what? That's not going to be me. I'm going to talk to every single one of my customers as they get on the bus. And so said, so done. That was a promise I made to myself. So when I went on my job interview and I said to the manager, I said to the manager, manager, I just want to let you know that I am going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to rock your boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm only kidding. No, 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 the manager told me afterwards, like two years afterwards, the manager said to me afterwards that um, when she interviewed me mm -hmm. and I told her that, oh, you know, I love customers and I put customer service first and, you know, I'm a problem solver. So, uh, you know, so if customers came on my bus agitated or angry or upset, you know, I wouldn't tell them, oh, keep your voice down or why are you shouting at me? I'd listen to them. I mean, obviously, we can't listen too long on a bus, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We've got customers waiting. <laughs> We've got to keep London moving. Uh, <laughs> however, you know, it's e I could just, you know, what you do really is, you, you know, you, you set your face. So they know that you're listening. You look at them dead in the eye. You know, so they know you're listening. And then, you know, and they're saying what they're saying. And this is what other bus drivers don't seem to realize. The beef that a customer will have on your, on your bus, 95% of the, the, the problem, me as a bus driver will be able to answer because it is something to do with the, like on the buses mm -hmm. so they may ask your bus is late or your bus is always late now they're not talking to me Cara <laughs> they're talking to Transport for London they're talking to to the bus service okay I represent the bus service mm -hmm. however I know that their anger is not directed at me 
you know, because they're upset, they're frustrated. So therefore, I, I would I would put set my face set my face in a you know in a calm and kind way, and I was I would tell them that oh, I'm very sorry that you feel this way. Um, you know, there's a bit of traffic at London Bridge, and that's causing a backlog in Liverpool Street Station. There's some roadworks in Shoreditch. There's a bit of roadworks in Liverpool Street. You know, so that's what's delaying the buses. I'm so sorry that you wasn't, you didn't know, but you know, you're now on the bus, grab a seat and let's keep London moving. And 98% of the time, they like that. And so that is my definition of happiness. When you try your hardest not to please yourself, try your hardest to please someone else. Yeah, that's, that's, you said so many good things right there. And, and especially at the end there, when like, to me, I feel like a lot of the concept that you're talking about is um, a lot of people jump onto the principle. You have no right to be mad at me. You have no right to feel this way. You have no right to talk to me this way or whatever. And, and there's so much power in stepping away from that and just interacting on a human to human basis and maybe not, you know, being as defensive and stuff. So that's, that's a really incredible. Um, I have a quick side question, just because I'm curious. Um, you said that you work for a bus company in London. Is there more than one public transport company in London? Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. wild. No, do you know what? Um, I don't know what year it was, but since deregulation, since deregulation, mm-hmm. the buses used to be run by um, London Transport. Mm-hmm. And then they it turned into Transport for London. And Transport for London used to manage all the buses. But then now they opened it out to private companies. They right. opened the tenders out to private companies. So now different companies have different routes. So our company, we run about, I don't know, up to 15 routes. But there are bigger companies that run 30-odd routes, you know, over, and they've got different depots all over, all over London or even the UK. Some bus companies actually run trains as well. That's so interesting. (laughs) Like Vancouver, I live near Vancouver, but not, um, I'm, I'm on an island on off of Canada, um, off the West coast. Um, but uh, in Vancouver, like it's it's one bus company, as far as I know. It never occurred to me that they would do that, but that makes sense. They just basically sub out the routes to different private companies. But oh, sorry, I know that's way off track. I just found that very no, interesting. No, no, no. I remember I'm a bus driver, so <laughs> it's no, it's not off track at all. You know, um, I and I've only I've only got positive things to say about bus. I'm listening, sorry. I've only got positive things to say about buses and, uh, you know, the bus industry, you see. And that is not, that's not, that's a great, great question because many people don't realise that it's it's different companies that run the bus routes because all London buses especially are, are red. Every London bus is red. Right, but if you look at the buses closely, especially on the the near side, top of the bus, you will see a name. There's different names, so you'd see the name of the company. 
That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. So I, don't always... to, oh, I don't mind mentioning Transport for London or London Transport, but I won't mention the, yeah, the of individual course. companies' names. Um, Just in case they think they, you know, they might want to sue me and it would make them happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, uh, one more bus question, and then and then we'll move on. Um, are they uh, are they all like the roundy ones, like you see in the pictures of London, like the the like they're they're all bright red and then like kind of rounded at the top? Yeah. No. Um, you see, in, back in the back in the olden days, they had the RMs, which is the buses that you can jump on and off. They had at the back, and. You know, a lot of people come to London, tourists, and they want to ex still experience those buses. Now, all buses used to be like that, but then they've obviously brought out um, more buses, safer buses, buses to help, you know, like all people. So everyone can enjoy going out every day on a bus. So we've got buses that can take wheelchairs. You know, buses that could could lower down, you know, for people that have mobility problems, maybe the elderly or someone that's 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 disabled. So the bus can lower down, you know, and they can walk straight on. Or a wheelchair can you could wheel a wheelchair on. Those old buses, the RMs, they mm -hmm. didn't have such access. Mm -hmm. They didn't have no wheelchair access, they didn't have no pram access, uh, they didn't it was steps. And it was high, you see. So, as you know, the times improve. Mm -hmm. You understand? But because London, no, tourists love the RMs. Because that's like a, an iconic thing in London. Mm -hmm. Just like the, the um, you know, you come to London and you, you visit Buckingham Palace. Or you visit um, Westminster Abbey. You know, or you see a red te telephone box. Also, you see the red bus. Mm -hmm. You know, and so what they've done is that they've preserved some of those RMs. So when you go through central London, Oxford Street, you will actually see the old buses. You know, they've got them mixed with the modern buses. But then you know now people I mean? still have the opportunity to experience them. Yeah, because people still want to come to London and get on an RM, you know, <laughs> jump on and jump off. And they want this, they want a conductor because that's another thing. The RMs had conductors instead of well. drivers. No, they had drivers who drove in the front because the RM has got the driver just in a little box in the front. Okay. And then you've got the whole bus double decker, and then you've got the conductor that stands on the platform at the back, and it's an oh. open, open plan bus. So people just the bus will stop. And people would just jump on and jump off. And the conductor, when everyone's on, he would just ring the bell, ding, ding. So it's ding, ding for the bus to go. And one ding if you want the bus to stop. <laughs> I still remember that. That's a <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And, and I used to drive them up um, up until the year 2000. Um, I drove one of them. I can't imagine how I can get in the cab now. <laughs> so <laughs> I was much more flexible then. So you were, <laughs> um, I was, I was actually, that was just about, I was about to ask you um, a little bit about your journey there. So um, it, it sounds like you, you drove bus um, uh, 20 years ago 
and then came back to it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was about yeah. to ask what what made you interesting interested in buses specifically, but you kind of answered it in your. <laughs> no, um, no. Actually, um, I've always been interested in coaches. I've always loved coaches, and I haven't got a coach yet, but I would love to get a coach, and I really believe I will get a coach. I envision my I envision living in a mansion with a sweeping driveway with two gates. One gate, I could drive my coach in onto cobblestone um, driveway, park my coach outside my big house. <laughs> and yeah, like a big coach. So I've always had that dream as a, as a youngster. So one day I was looking for a job. So I went to the job center and there was a bus company advertising for drivers. And I thought, you know what? Okay, this isn't exactly a coach. But they're advertising for bus drivers and maybe I can get a bus driver's license and then I can go on to, to drive coaches. So that's what I did. I followed the company. I, I, you know, I was so excited. This was in 1999. <laughs> I, you know, went for my bus driver training and I, 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 I so enjoyed it. You know, I, I, I passed all the little um, tests that they gave and then I got to the practical and the day I was meant to take the practical test, they cancelled it because it was snowing. Oh, man, I was so, you know. But anyway, so I had to wait till January. So it was in, I think, January the 2nd or 3rd when I took my test. And, um, and I passed. And I was so, so, so excited. So that's when I got my, my driving licence, January 2000 and from the company but i never did go on to drive coaches you still could I never go on to drive coaches <laughs> and you mean like a coach bus right like we have greyhounds i think are coach buses or is uh, there you see it's so funny because we're in different yeah um, like i've i've never heard of uh like just a coach before so i'm curious what that means yeah a coach is uh like five fifty four seats well, it's different. It could be 30-something, 30 40-something, 30 something, and 54 is a big coach, right? And it's one deck. Mm -hmm. So it's one floor, um, you know, with 54 seats. Yeah. However, now they've got double-decker coaches. Oh, wow. As well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the but, coaches are just the comfier ones, right? And they have a washroom usually and that kind of thing for a little bit longer distance. Uh, when you say washroom, you mean a toilet? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 coaches. I mean, now they're comfy. I mean, back in the day, you know, in summertime, it's hit and miss, really, <laughs> coach that had air conditioning or not. <laughs> but now, yeah, the companies have upgraded their coaches. I love a coach. I don't know if you Google coaches or London coaches, and then you'd see... What I'm, what I'm saying, but I think they have it in America as well. Um, you know, like a lot of the, the your rappers pimp my coach. <laughs> you know, they oh, turn. The, so it it's like a, like a tour bus. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Got you. Okay. <laughs> okay, tour bus. Okay. <laughs> but not double decker, single decker. Because we got a tour <clears throat> bus, and they're double deckers. Well, there's, there's two different kinds of tour buses. Um, there's like a bus you take on tour as a musician. And then there's like a tour bus, like a tourism bus for like yeah. city centers where they take you around town. 
Well, yeah, that's 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 uh, that's us as well. But I was just thinking, would you like to know um, why I'm happy? Yes, I was. I was about to jump back to the happiness. I don't know why I'm so interested in all the bus stuff. Um, <laughs> no, it is yes. very interesting because obviously we found out, you know, different things because we're in different countries. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to you assuming that you know, but you don't know, and so a lot of your viewers may not know. A lot may know. They may have visited London. They may even be listening to this in London. So it would be good to also hear how your country rolls. <laughs> <laughs> However, now what it is, is that I, okay, as I said, I'm, I'm born in an African home and my mother, you know, I'm, I really bless my mum. My mum, she brought us up with, you know, she brought us up in a good way, yeah? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I always say to people as well that we're only given the tools handed down to us. So, you know, if you see a parent this misbehaving or you think, wow, this parent is not behaving correctly, you know, and you think that, well, they obviously their parents didn't bring them up right, you know, I've actually gone deeper and I've realised that We we learn our behaviours from people that we are around. Mm-hmm. So as a child, you know, if we... Because I, I witnessed, um, and it's quite sad, I witnessed uh, my father, you know, um, hitting my mother mm-hmm. as a kid. And, um, if, you know, I don't really have, you know, good memories. You know what I mean? I just That's all I remember when I think of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And my mum came from Africa believing that was, that's part of life. That's, you know, she grew up being beaten in her home. So she just thought, yeah, that's ha- that's life, isn't it? You know, and um, so this is what me and my brothers, we saw as kids. Yeah. And, you know, and we saw my mum working so hard trying to, you know, make ends meet. You know, my dad was an alcoholic and, you know, he was always a student. He never seems to have graduated past being a student. So my mum had to do all the work and and bring in all the money. But I'm really grateful that she did meet friends in London and they opened her eyes to, to what she was going through. So she got brave enough to, to give him the elbow. You understand? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then she struggled bringing up four boys. And my mum, <laughs> bless her, she didn't fail to remind us that, you know, <laughs> she's a single parent bringing up four boys. <laughs> look like now, and I take my hat off to, to mothers who are bringing up even one boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Let alone, like, four boys, you know? And... But what happened is that my mother shipped me and my brother off to Africa because she said we were naughty and we needed discipline. So she sent us to get the discipline she had. Mm-hmm. So we got to Africa and we were beaten at anything. Drop a plate, got beaten. Didn't wash the car properly, got beaten. Um, you know, at first it was sticks and then whips and stuff. And, you know, I got hardened. I got really hardened to it and... and um, 
And then one day, my mother's brother, who she sent us to, he um, was killed. And, you know, some people, you know, wanted to rob him and they killed him. And my mother came for the funeral and then she wanted to leave us in Nigeria and give us to another uncle. And I says, no way. We started crying and kicking and fighting. I said, no, 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 we're not staying with no next uncle. We need to go back to <laughs> So she thought, oh, okay. So she brought us back to London. And anyway, she um, remarried and wanted us to call her new husband, dad. And we couldn't understand why we should. And then we got kicked out. And then I met up with, you know, friends on the street, which weren't good friends. And I learned what they learned. You know, you know that saying, it says, show me your five friends and I'll tell you who you are. You know, all the, all the knowledge my mum passed on to us it went out the window. And then one thing led to another, you know, following bad crowds, ended up in bad places, you know. And so, as I said, growing up, I didn't understand happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, when people said, oh, all I want to be is happy, all I want to be is happy, I couldn't understand what they meant because I didn't know happiness. Growing up in my home, you know, love was conditional. Mm-hmm. You know, so even growing up as a Christian, I couldn't understand because they said Jesus loves you and they'd use the Bible to, tr- to train us as children. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, bring up a child in the way he should go and when he gets older, he won't depart from it. And that's true. Yeah, you can train a child good, but a child doesn't listen to you. He he, he watches what you do. He copies what you do. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Absolutely. So, you know, I copied some of the things I learned, you know, from my, from my mom and from my dad. And, you know, so when people tell me all they want to be is happy, I didn't understand what happiness meant. Then I went down the road of addiction. You know, I was addicted to stuff and... And, you know, I became homeless. I was long-term homeless on the streets of London. You think, is that possible? It's it's possible. Homeless is a big thing in London. And, you know, that's why I say I don't blame my parents per se, because they only had the tools handed down to them. Mm -hmm. They can only work with the tools handed down to them. Do you understand? I absolutely understand and agree as we we can only do the best with what we know to do and and how we know to do it. Yeah. So fast forward, I mean, you know, as I said, I I, I was in addiction and mental health. You know, my mind was really messed up. You know, I was even scared. Then I'd, I'd, I'd been married and separated, but I had teenage children and, you know, I took them on board while I was messed up and, and, um, you know, but I try to do, you know, be responsible and, but I, I, you know, try to find a way to be, to, to, you know, to be good, to do the right things. But I couldn't because, I mean, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So I kept doing the same thing and expecting a different result, but it weren't happening. <laughs> you know, I think if I go here, if I go, if I move houses, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. You know, my drug habit will leave me. If I leave this person and go and be with that person, I'll be okay. No, I realized, yeah, 
And also I spent time blaming people as well. These are all negatives to happiness. You know, I had a long list of reasons why I was how I was. You know, it was the police, it was the council, it was the government, it was taxes, it was a homeless unit, it was my girlfriend, you know, it was my children, <laughs> it was my parents. And then I realised on this long list of blame, mm -hmm. guess what? You weren't on it. I weren't on the list. Tara, you're so intelligent. Oh, my, oh you've heard this before, haven't you? <laughs> I relate because I've been there. <laughs> I wasn't on the list. I wasn't on the list. And one day I said, I was, I was moaning to my daughter. She was 16. She's now 22. She, she was 16 then. And I was moaning about mom and about everything. And she said, Dad. I said, what? She said, take responsibility. And you know what? Since that day to today, and this is one of the tools that I use, you know, I tell myself I'm responsible. You know, I tell myself that, you know, I, I love, you know, I wake up, open my eyes and say, thank you for today. I love myself. I love my customers. I love my job. I, you know, I'm grateful for work. I'm grateful for my income. I'm grateful for my neighbors. I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful for the roof over my head. I'm grateful for electricity. I'm grateful for the fresh water that I drink. You know, I think of the, you know, the little things. I say, I'm so grateful, you know, and I feel that these are the tools that I learned and I adopt every single day. And that all adds to my happiness. Mm -hmm. So when I became a bus driver, after going and checking out, you know, how to do more, and I realised that, okay, the, customer, the drivers are not talking to the passengers, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to be like that. So I became a bus driver, started greeting my customers. I'd say, good morning, welcome on board your Route 26 to Waterloo. Thank you for travelling with CT Plus on behalf of Transport for London. My name is Patrick, and I just want to take this opportunity to wish you, and yes, I really do mean you, a very, very safe and a very, very good day. When leaving this bus, please take all your personal belongings with you. <laughs> and, and... I anything on the route that I notice, like closed bus stops, you know, delayed traffic, I'd announce to my customers, you know, that the next bus stop is closed. Oh, what does that mean for me, Pat? Oh, that's a great question. What that means for you is if you need the next stop, then please alight here or the stop after. However, it's not by force. <laughs> <laughs> but I think of so many different ways and the customers love it. My bus is jumping and, and laughing. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's talking to each other. It's got to the stage when, where when I speak to a customer and say, good morning, and they look at me weird and they get on the bus, there's always someone on the bus that says, no, listen, that's Patrick. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> oh that's so fantastic um so oh I, okay if I, I can't wait if I ever go to London if this pandemic's ever over and I go to London I am going to go on route 26 uh <laughs> yeah I'm not on the 26 no more oh dang it um <laughs> yeah, because, no because what I've done I, I work part-time now oh, okay two days a week so now so I'm giving you all the bus lingo so now 
and I'm not on the road time no more, so I'm AD, which means as directed. Oh, so, okay, like, so you just, wherever they put you. Yeah, so yesterday I was on the Route 394. Last week I was on um, another, no, I was on holiday last week. The week before I was on, like, W5. You know, I love variety as well, so I do different routes, and it's it's wonderful. I bet your customers miss you, though, um, the ones who would who would take the route regularly. But I wanted to um, quickly ask you just a couple questions about, um, so you said it was six years ago that you really started to transition out of that that expe- especially difficult period. What, what was it? It was that conversation with your daughter that was the catalyst for all this change, or was there a few things that happened that, that really rose you up out of, a, out of addiction and ready to, to move forward? Well, it was a few things. However, I, I, was, I had got myself in a place where I was ready to listen, mm-hmm. especially to my daughter. Do you know, because I realised that we can get messages from around us, you know. So whether we are spiritual, whether we're in in any religion, and whether we speak to the universe or speak to God, you know, we will always get an answer. Mm -hmm. You know, and we can get the answer like now. Someone could be listening to this podcast and they they could get their answer. You know, something could be bothering them and they just decide to just listen in and they've heard something from us which has given them put a light on and they thought oh my gosh this is exactly what I need to do you you know so I had hit a rock bottom Mm -hmm. which you know I was in a life and death situation my life was threatened I had to escape a, a very harrowing situation and I went to the hospital and I had to admit to the doctors that I had a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to stop listening to my associates in the using world. Mm-hmm. You know, they tell you things like, oh, the services don't work. You know. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of a lot of the stuff that you're talking about where it's like, it's like, well, they don't have your best interest at heart. They're just going to, if, if you tell them that you have addiction, then they're going to treat you like an addict forever. So you can't tell anyone stuff like that. I've heard a lot yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. And then after they've convinced me, you know, then it was, oh, okay. Then, then you hit that effort button and every, all the plans are out the window. You know what I mean? Like you just call a man, you know, get on the phone, call a man and you just like thing. Yeah, but um, right yeah, so I decided that no, I need to listen to the professionals. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did, and you know, I followed instruction. And um, it took a few years, and it was very difficult. However, I believed in the process, and there was also these organisations that um, I don't know if I can call their names. I don't mind calling their names. You know what I mean? Because I, I'm my life is transparent out there. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone. You know, they could search me, you know what I mean? And they would see that my story is out there. You understand? Yeah. I went to the services first and then I met up with an organization called Narcotics Anonymous. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't believe that people could be clean, you know, but I I heard testimonies of people, 
you know, um, one day, seven days, two weeks, five years, 20 years, 30 years. I thought, what? That's impossible. But you know what? They just told me, keep coming back. Take it one day at a time. You know, um, when I when I feel like using, just tell myself, you know what, Pat? Not today. I'll use tomorrow. And for some reason, that was that worked. I swear <laughs> it was like magic. I couldn't believe it. it. It doesn't work for food, though. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, when, when the biscuits start calling me, I'm in my bed and the packet of hobnobs is calling me from Tesco's. Of, well, I don't know if you know Tesco's. Tesco's is a supermarket in London. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know if anyone re- understands what I'm saying. I mean, I'm sure biscuits know my name. You know, they call from the shelf, even chicken and chips. You know, I'm riding my bike and all of a sudden, chicken and chips shop is calling. It says, come and have some chips. I said, shut up. No. Okay, I'll have it. Okay, 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 okay. I'll diet tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll give it, I'll diet tomorrow. Um, so, um... Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say before before we um, move on to the game, I have one more question, and then I'll, I'll um, and then and then we'll move on to the game. The the last question that I have for you is: if you mentioned your toolbox a lot of times, and I also use that metaphor, the toolbox metaphor. So you've you've mentioned gratitude and responsibility as two very important tools that have helped you along. Um, obviously, a lot of the tools that come along with the uh, the twelve step programs would have been helpful. So outside of those ones, what would you, like, if someone's in a similar situation, what tools would you suggest that they pick up to, to try and, and pick themselves up? Where would they, where would you suggest they start? Well, um, well, they're in the right place. They could start with you. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to your podcast and downloading your podcast and going to the, you know what I mean? However, that's a great question. How I started was I started to read books because I realized that I met a guy, this guy, he was a wonderful guy, a very, a big guy, giant with muscles, but he was so gentle, so polite. And I thought, wow. Because remember, I grew up in a violent, you know, household and in violence all my teenage years, young man years. So um, I, I didn't know polite people. Mm-hmm. So this guy was so polite, so good. And I said, I, I need to, I, I would like to be like him, you know, and um, I've achieved that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However, so I feel that copying other people that you're impressed with, you know, is a good thing. If you see yeah. someone that, you know, you think that they, you know, exude um, charisma or, or, or politeness or kindness, you know, you can, we can copy them. And also, reading books. I learned a lot of what I, the tools I have, I got them from books, from YouTube, personal development videos, like Napoleon Hill. It's one I listen to often. Um, and then like the Jim Rowan and, Zig Ziglar and Les Brown. I listen to these over and over and over again. I get books with big titles. I don't want to mention it here, just in case. No, I will mention it, actually. Yeah, um, Think and Grow Rich, um, The Richest Man in Babylon. Now, these books, they may have money titles, but they give you principles of life. Mm Mm-hmm. 
tools to live life. I mean, I was in a lot of debt, yeah, and I didn't have I didn't have enough money at the end of the month. Well, we got paid weekly, so you know there was there was more week at the end of the money. So I read the richest man in Babylon, and I learned principles in there which I applied, and I ended up clearing my credit card debt, yeah, yeah. and being five thousand pounds in credit, all at the same time in the same job. So I didn't nice. change my job. I didn't look for another job that pays ten pound or twenty pound extra. You know, I just applied these principles that I learned from the richest man in Babylon, and 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 that's what I feel. Also, another happiness. You know, if you're if you're in debt, you know this it robs you of happiness. Money is a good tool. You know, money is true. Money doesn't make you happy. It's true. You know, but it's a tool. You know that even if you don't want money. If I don't want money, I could have friends that that they don't know the way out, but I can give them a hands up. You know what I mean? You know, I've got friends that, um, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my god, you know, she's looking after all those kids by herself. You know, she's hardly got any money. I'd love to send her on a trip with her children. You know, in summertime to. You know, to the seaside. You understand me? To, mm-hmm. You know, so the, you know what I mean. You I know? absolutely know what you mean. Oh, everything you said just resonated so hard with me. Um, especially yeah. the especially the money being a resource thing, and and like the way I always phrase it is, money doesn't buy happiness, but a lack of money definitely contributes to struggle. Um, and like yeah. you're saying, like it's a resource that allows us to share. Like I am, um, I'm not in debt, uh, thankfully. Um, but I also am, am not even close to wealthy, but I find that it's so, it's so freeing, you know, it's like debt is just another version of imprisonment. Um, but anyways, I also well, wanted I to, this, I think this is a topic for another, you know, another podcast because I'm, I'm, I'm I, um, th- there is good debt and bad debt. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You yeah. Know? There's investing debt and then there is consumer debt. And yeah. I've yeah. I, I've done finance before, so I actually we'd l- we'll talk about this um, another oh, time. Uh, it's I very something from you, then. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting to me. Um, but uh, I wanted to to say I really appreciate your insights on um, on the the copying thing. That's a I've I've never heard someone say that before, but it's so true. Is you know emulating the people that you admire is absolutely the quickest way to become a person that you would admire um and and that's just great advice and i appreciate that um thank you (laughs) i wanted to know is there anything you want to add before we play the game um well i'm really grateful that you reached out to me i've i've had so much fun with you today you know um another tool is smile <laughs> yeah no seriously it's it's you know because you know it's it's true especially now in lockdown in london it's in lockdown mm-hmm. this pandemic you know a lot of people have lost jobs you know people have 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 lost loved ones you know i heard today and it's really sad you know an old friend of mine you know has passed away you know she was fighting for her life breathing 
COVID has, has claimed another 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 beautiful soul. You know, so you know, things are happening. Colleagues, bus drivers that I know, you know what I mean, have passed away from COVID and others have survived. Do you understand me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm I'm just really, really grateful. So I'm just like I really feel, I don't know, I really feel that if we take charge of our happiness, yeah, I don't think COVID has a, a place, it, it can't dwell in a in a heart that's happy. <laughs> I don't think it can. I really don't. And if it does, then well, that's it. I would just die happy. You know what I mean? Well, that's because, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, but you see, I, today now, I run a um, recovery workshop for uh, men and young people in prisons. Okay. I'm a mentor to young men and young um, young people. Incarcerated people. Yeah, not just in prisons. In my community, you know, my colleagues at work, you know, they try their best. They they want to be they want to be happy. They want to understand what I do. Because, you know, one of the reasons why I'm happy as well is because the universe has given me another chance to live. Yes. Because when I was suffering from mental health, I didn't want to live. I wanted to die, you know. And um, so now I'm so grateful that I didn't succeed or I'm not dead. And I have found a way to, to, be, to be happy. And I think happiness... You can't get happiness in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And, okay, maybe you can get it in a dog. (laughs) 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 Yeah? Um, Yeah, because they're very cute, some dogs. You know what I mean? And they're so loving. Uh, Yes, I love dogs. And actually, funny enough, I learned as well from two... I've learned from two... I've learned happiness from children and from dogs. Because a dog, if you've got a dog and your dog knows that you're coming home and it's waiting behind the door and you open the door, it will spin around, it would do its wheelies and it would fly into your arms. Do you know what I mean? And yes. I, I copy animals. I, I don't really care, you know. And also, everything we do becomes a habit. So, you know, if you can't smile, just smile. <laughs> just smile. Believe you me, if you smile, keep smiling. If you look at a person who looks sad, then check your face and smile. And believe you me, you know, it will become a habit. You know, people will think, gosh, why are you smiling? Why are you smiling? You know, because you've you've just you've 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 made a decision to smile. I uh I am often told that I'm a very smiley person. <laughs> I uh Here you are. I get um I get actually I actually get knots in my jaw from smiling too much. Uh, which is wild. Um I just wanted to add just a tiny thing to your dog comment. So the thing that I really love about dogs and a thing I find so inspiring about dogs and children, but mostly dogs, um, is that a dog is never embarrassed to love. It's never embarrassed to be kind or helpful. It's it's never afraid to have those emotions. And that is a lesson we could all learn. Um, You know, I spent years and years and years being afraid to be happy because I thought it meant a whole bunch of things about me that it absolutely doesn't. 
you yeah. know, like that I was naive or, or, or all sorts of other things. Mm. Um, so are you ready to play a game? It is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get you to guess Canadian slang and I'm using, I am Canadian, but I'm using a list because then I don't have to remember. Um, <laughs> and so, so when first, you say I should guess, are you going to, is it like, um, you're going to give me four A, B, C, D to pick? <laughs> I remember, could. I'm only a bus driver. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I don't know how commonly known these words are around the world because I'm Canadian. So to me, they're obvious. Um, so do you know the word toque? No. Okay. So your clues are a toque is either a sled, a type of hat, a jacket, or a metal straw. A toque? Yeah. Lord have mercy. And that's a slang? Yeah. Oh, man. A toque. I don't. I don't know. I'll have to. Um, a jacket. It's a. It's a type of hat, like a beanie. Oh, <laughs> Often they have the little fuzz balls on top. Um, what about? Okay. I feel like this sounds like an English word. It sounds like an English word. So I don't know if this is actually Canadian. Do you guys say Chesterfield? Um, yeah, but that's Chesterfield is antique. It's oh, an okay. Antique. An so is, that, is that a slang? Yeah, it's a, well, it says it's Canadian, but I was like, this sounds English. This doesn't sound Canadian. Um, yeah, it's a Chesterfield is a type of couch. Um, okay, do you know what a keener is? It's... Oh, no, oh, no. Chesterfield is a type of couch. Yeah. Oh, okay, you see, because in my understanding of the word Chesterfield, you know, I said that it's like... It's an antique. antique, you know, it's an antique name, and it's it's antique furniture. Okay, yeah, here it's specifically a couch. Okay, um, yeah, it's like an. I think it's usually antique. I mean, it's it's honestly it's an archaic word that's not used that often. We usually just say couch. Um, but uh, okay, okay, I'm not doing too well, am I? <laughs> honestly, I feel like nobody ever gets all of them. I had a guest do it to me once. Um, and I did really poorly. <laughs> she was giving me words and oh, she was giving me uh, words in other languages, I think. And I was trying to guess. It was it was hard. Um, do you know what a keener is? Keener. Do you no, want clues? Huh? Do you want do you want the four options? Yes, please. Keener. Okay. Um, it is a person who teaches children. It's a person who tries too hard it's another word for a botanist or it is a i don't know i don't i don't have a third option i'm sorry do you have any guesses oh gosh what are the um what are the what are the choices again so it's a person who tries too hard it's another word for a botanist or another word for a teacher Keener. A botanist. It's a person who tries too hard. They're too keen. Oh, man. <laughs> Keener. <clears throat> oh, well, hold on. Does, does Canada have a language? Well, we speak a combination of British and American English, if we're being um, honest about it. 
So we were, you know, um, until 1837. So um, like a long time after America, we were part of the British um, Empire. And then 1837, we separated, but we're actually still technically um, part of the, whatever they call that, where the queen is technically our head of state and all that. So a lot of our languages is based on British English, but because we are right upstairs from Americans who obviously change their language a lot, um, both in spelling Mm -hmm. and pronunciation and stuff, we have a lot of stuff from there too. And then we have our own unique words as well, because even though our culture is kind of bland, (laughs) we do have one. So, (laughs) Um, like, I just mean Canadian culture itself is, is more of a homogeny of many cultures than it is an individual culture. So we'll do one more, <laughs> and it is, what is a toonie? Okay, so your options are, it is a two-for-one deal, like BOGO. <laughs> it is a type of coin, or it is a type of dress. Dress. It's a type of coin. It's a $2 coin. <laughs> oh my days. Oh, uh, it sounds like a dress. Yeah, I, I was really excited when I came up with that option. I was like, ah. I was like, this one's gonna be tricky. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Thank you okay. so much for your time, Patrick. I had just the most fun. Um oh, I- thank you. Thank you so much for, I think what you're doing is a good thing. And yeah, I think what you're doing is a good thing. Well thank done. You, thank you very much. It means, it means a lot to me. Like I said, I, uh, when I first got your, your, your first response, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, he is the happiest. <laughs> um, so uh, thanks so much, Patrick. And to my audience, I love you. Bye.